My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. When is the last time you completely unplugged from like your phone and your laptop and your iPad and the web and all of it for more than a few hours? I spent much of the last week doing so as part of the Flogging Molly's Salty Dog Cruise, which sounds a lot sexier than that sounded. Uh, Picture a ship full of Irish punk rockers and bands and their fabulous fans. Uh, If you're imagining tattoos and Guinness and kilts and awesome instruments and harmonies, crazy awesome tunes you imagined, right? We sailed from Miami to two different islands in the Bahamas, which was such a blast. It was my first cruise, my first time in the Bahamas. It was just fun. Uh, If you're not familiar with Flogging Molly, you should be. Here is a super short clip from the cruise's theme song, Salty Dog. Twist. Settle down, they'll take a fit. You drank with demons straight from hell. They almost nearly won as well. You wiped the floor with victory. The puked until you fell asleep. One of the coolest things about the whole experience of of the cruise actually was being unplugged, which surprises me because I'm somewhat addicted, I think, to my uh, technology. But I have learned to take breaks, as you all know, if you've been listening. I've been meditating and, and trying to be more present in life. Um, so this was really, really fun for me. It was actually the first time I unplugged that long since, I think, whenever all of this stuff came out. Like, I, I don't remember another time where I did it for that long. It had its challenges, of course, like trying to find people. I honestly couldn't figure out how we ever found others without texting and cell phones and stuff like that if you wanted to meet up with friends. But overall, it was glorious. People were looking at each other instead of staring down at their phones. So there were probably like less accidents, you know, people (laughs) walking into each other, making crazy mistakes, you know, just being more present. And I could feel my brain and myself just recharging. And we could probably all plug more than we do, according to some recent studies. One in England showed that people are now spending more time on the web than sleeping. Isn't that kind of crazy? I mean, I'm not a huge fan of sleep, but uh, I like to get enough, and I don't think we are, partly because of that. Uh, Also, research shows that spending too much time online can make us feel less comfortable with our bodies, our self-esteem, can even disrupt our relationships and our sex lives. So I think the key is taking breaks, not obsessing, and hitting the off button before we start feeling that really, you know, that brain clamp zombie eye feeling when you start feeling like you are connected to your computer. Uh, Meditating and taking those breaks, you know, daily, weekly, whatever it is, is just groovy. Uh, But today we have a super special show lined up and I'm so glad to be back in Los Angeles and back in the studio with, with you all. My first guest I've been wanting to have on for some time, so I'm just so excited. She is a superstar goddess, Asian transsexual porn star, Venus Lux. In only a couple of years, Venus has earned a reputation as one of the most talented and diverse stars in the adult industry, which is huge. She's worked with 
every major adult production company, including Kink, Evil Angel, SMC, Groovy, uh, Devil's Film, and, and more. She's landed numerous nominations and awards, including recently uh, at the AVN Awards, she was the uh, winner of the Pansexual Award, which is a huge, huge honor. Uh, I'm just so happy to have you here, Venus. How are you doing today? Oh, God. Actually, transsexual one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Where did I get that from? Yeah, pansexual sexuality. Uh, transsexual. Yeah, it's all good. Oops. <laughs> Sorry about that. See, see, sometimes you unplug too much. Yeah. Maybe I'm still jet lagged. Um, apologies <laughs> for that. It's all good. But so tell us about, first of all, mm-hmm. kind of related to that flub of mine. So many people are confused about what transsexual, transgender, all the different mm-hmm. terms mean. And we've talked about it before. Uh, Mia Isabella was one of my first guests. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we have explained it. But just as a reminder, could you just share what does transsexual mean? Transsexual is basically uh, transitioning to um, the gender that you're mentally um, comfortable with, um, that you prefer, um, and living that lifestyle. Um, if you're born genetically male then you transition to female then you will be and you're living your life full time there's no wigs involved there's no you know fake boobs or anything you live the life as a female and that's what i call a transsexual um transgender is more of an umbrella term that's very the spectrum is very wide ranging from those who um dress up um, for fun, as a hobby, range, ranging to androgyny, ranging to gender queer that actually are gender non-conforming, um, and also transgender, a uh, transsexual too. So it's an umbrella term. To be honest, I prefer to identify more transsexual-wise because um, this is not a hobby. This is a lifestyle. Um, and then when it comes to pansexual, that is more of a sexuality pref- uh, label that recently just been created. Um, basically, anything human. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, that's um, basically a sexual identity that I like to stick with because I'm all about human chemistry and not really more about whether it's a guy or the a girl. labels. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I really honestly do believe that pretty much anyone could fall in love with anyone. Somebody who's a male, a female, yeah. a, I mean, anything. It's, mm-hmm. it's, I think that so much of uh, gender and our sexual identity, there's this big spectrum and People get obsessed with making it so black and white. It's also the gender binary that's in place with social, um, with social media, and you know what's socially accepted. You know, you kind of have to fit into that binary. Like, okay, you're male, you have to be masculine, you have to be hairy, you have to be, you know, to be a female, you have to be very feminine, be hyper feminine, hyper feminine, everything, which doesn't really play out correctly in society. You know, so true, mm-hmm. so true. And so, your personal journey. When did you realize, or did you always know? Um, what I, it's funny, I've been thinking about that too, because recently there's been a lot of social media topics about gender dysphoria. Um, and I feel that may apply to me, but I feel that it also applies more to those who are actually younger, um, ident- who are younger, like as in like eight years old and you identify as another gender. Um, for me, I transitioned much later in life. Um, I kind of call it as like new generation of transgenderism, um, because I, grew up very traditional Chinese background and I wasn't very educated about sexuality or gender identity. Um, so later on in life, I learned about that and be able to feel comfortable enough to transition um, at 19, yeah, age 19. Wow. But I've always been feminine, always, um, this is my natural voice, this is my natural face, um, obviously not natural boobs, but... <laughs> but 
that they're real. Uh, I bought them. They're yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've always, always ad- admired, you know, women, and um, always feel, always embraced that I was a woman, and inside, if I were to have children, I'd like to be called mother. Um, but I guess it just wasn't much education about if that's socially accepted. Of course, like, mm-hmm. and that is something we just lack. In all areas of sexuality is education, education yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and we've talked a lot in this show about how porn in the adult industry has really become the education, which is why it's so important that mm-hmm. everyone is represented, you know. Exactly. Uh, have you, we've had uh, Leighton Benton and Flash Brown were mm-hmm. here uh, talking about, you know, being um, black performers mm-hmm. in the adult industry and some of the challenges they've faced. Mm-hmm. As an Asian woman, do you feel like you have faced discrimination? Do you feel like it's there are opportunities that you wish you could have, or is it, is it improving? Um, <laughs> there's plenty of stereotypes about Asians, but um, I feel I've been very fortunate actually. I haven't had faced much um, besides the association with uh, because being Asian and transgender or transsexual, um, I'm mostly associated with you know, uh, third world country girls, like lady boys, the term, what they would call it, uh, which is a terminology, slang terminology for Thai trans girls in Thailand. Um, so I get that occasionally. Um, it's not really a, dis- a form of discrimination. I don't feel it as hate speech. I just feel that that is just uh, people who are, uh, don't need, you know, say what they know. Right. Yeah. It's a little ignorance. Yeah, it's, a little it's like ignorance. they just never saw anything else. Yeah, and it's like default. That's what you kind of picture when you think of transsexuals. You think, okay, sure. lady boys in Thailand, you know, um, half women, half men, you know. Um, so that's kind of the typical association when they see me or I see my work. That's what they think that I embody, you know, a, a third world country girl. <laughs> Interesting. And then they yeah. find something very different. Right? Yeah, and so. they assume that also I'm like a very docile Asian, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'm here to please you or do whatever you want. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong door you knocked on. Exactly. Wow. So what is your style? If you were to describe yourself with a mm-hmm. few adjectives, you're not do- the docile mm-hmm. submissive. What, as far as your performing and your sexuality... I think I'm more um, self-expression, art, uh, artistic. Um, um, I like that you said artistic. Uh, um, self-empowered um, and sexual education. Yeah. I, I like that because um, I, 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 I don't discriminate gender or sexualities. And um, I feel like everyone – I can give – information to anyone I approach, uh, whether to spice up their lifestyle or to broaden up their mindset to how they perceive sex, you know, ah, um, nice. and kind of make it a more or less of uh, less of work or and for the sake of, you know, reproduction, but more so of a sense of expression um, and empowerment and also to explore there's so much to the body to the anatomy to explore and also sensations to chemistry to feelings to um even just mental thoughts in general so true and it should be a journey you know something we're ever discovering and Mm -hmm. it really bothers me when uh you know (laughs) that there's this uh, this idea and again it's ignorance i think but Mm -hmm. that Sexuality fades over time. And it's like, why would you learn more and get worse? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's you decide if you're going to like... Mm-hmm. Rah, rah, rah. It's almost like, I would say, it's like 
like a sport, you know. If you haven't tried it, how do you know if you like it? And if you do like it, you know, figure out how to challenge yourself or what you can learn more about it, you know. Um, I don't know if that's a really good analogy. But. No, it is. <laughs> no, it absolutely is. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Because I think, you know, when you're growing up and you're trying to figure out what your interests are and stuff mm-hmm. like that, it's sort of like, like before, I remember being in high school and the counselors ask you what you want to do with the rest of your life. Yeah. And it's like, I have no... I have no freaking clue. Yeah, exactly. And they they made me, like, look through this book, and I had to choose something. Yeah. And so I found they were listed by, you know, skill set, and I found the thing that had the least math, Mm -hmm. and it was uh, a radio DJ, which is funny because I had no idea I would ever end up having a show. Mm -hmm. It was just like... I don't want to do math. Yeah. You know, it's like, and, and until you actually try, for me, I had to try many different things. And I think our sexuality is a lot like that, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. um, preferences as far as who the partner is, because we mm-hmm. grow up with a very specific men and women have sex with each other. Yeah. For me, it was like, after you get married, you have sex and it's only with one person. And, yeah. you know, Ugh. and it's a really suppressive yeah. thing when you have like, a giddy sex drive and you're excited you want to try things and you're told it's wrong yeah and on top of that you know over time you know how things lose its luster you know how to kind of regain that back or how to keep it as a lifestyle you know um, it is a lifestyle it's part of who you are everyone needs to have sex um not well yeah needs to have a release and also it's enjoyable and i feel like a lot of people don't take the time to really think about it or even attempt to reinvigorate their sex lives um, and if they do they don't lack they lack the education or the examples to be able to um, adopt that into their lives that's really true mm-hmm. I think so I think if you've never seen it before mm-hmm. and uh that's actually what a lot of people get concerned with is they think they're so abnormal and they get mm-hmm. self-conscious because, oh, my gosh, you know, I want to try anal. Ooh, I'm gross. Yeah, yeah. You know, and exactly. No, if it feels good and you can do something safe mm-hmm. and, you know, it's it's cool. So what do you tell people when they ask you they want let's say they have a quote. It's a really general term vanilla mm-hmm. because yeah. it's different for everyone. But yeah. let's say you have a pretty quote vanilla relationship mm-hmm. sexuality. What would you recommend as some steps they could take to really kind of explore and and lose some of those inhibitions? I would say, for foremost, I always I recommend to look at porn and to explore porn, um, not just for the sake to look at it, beat off and get off and that's it, but actually take the time to learn and see like, oh, that's interesting. That's something I want to try or like that's just too freaky. Understanding your boundaries, understanding what is like, say, a bucket list of things that you want to try that you're curious about. It's human nature to be curious. It's not wrong. So why, you know, why hinder yourself? So actually make that list and be able to kind of understand, like, okay, what are the steps to try this? Does this require props? What kind of people? What's the personality? What has a person supposed to be? Is it more dominant, more submissive? Um, And really kind of act out your fantasies um, and be able to explore that and say at least try it. Um, That's why I recommend um, and it's not whether vanilla or not vanilla but I think everyone in general should just you know act out their fantasies. I think so too. I think especially if you have shame around your fantasies, that's so damaging. Yeah. Know? Well, unless it's like something like child pornography, then that's oh, of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. That's when you call the therapist exactly. and have a nice little session. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or many zillions of sessions. But yeah, <laughs> I think you know, in having and fa- some fantasies, just letting yourself explore them mentally can be really awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. there's lots of different ways. What do you say to people? Because we've talked also about. Uh, 
how porn presents, you know, images of sexuality that are meant for the screen, mm -hmm. you know, so that it's not always uh, the exactly what you would do at home. Yeah. Uh, so knowing the difference, like, could you, what would you say, could you watch it and then just take away certain things and do you just try to keep the differences in mind? Like, what are some of those differences you see? Personally, I actually watch a lot of amateur porn because the reason why I know how, you know, high-end a porn is made, ranging from, okay, if that's acting or is that real is that prop set up is that cutaway um so i watch a lot of like homemade movies and from there you know then you kind of get a sense of like oh i'm not the only one this is a homemade movie it's just someone who likes this whether it be like fucking a blow-up doll or yeah. <laughs> or uh, or it's something even more extreme like i don't know like uh what's it called ringing or um, prod, prods in your penal hole. Oh, you know, this What's is kind of some, I don't know if this is what this is, but you just, as soon as you said that, I had this image in my mind. I dated a guy who uh, was a doctor and mm -hmm. the things that he would find in people's, you know, buttholes and, um, yeah. and sometimes in the penile hole uh -huh. and the vagina, but like there was like a giant potato in a guy's butt. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> As soon as he said that, I just was like, I, I remember it as though I was there. I wasn't, but it's just, it's so, you know. Things happen. They do. Yeah. And maybe they saw this thing and they thought, you know, it's natural. It's a vegetable. It's healthy. Yeah. And Everyone has fetishes. There's fetishes for everything, even yeah. ranging from headphones to a cup of water. I have um, a microphone fetish myself. I love, I mean, I just said that and I had a girl boner. I'm like, ah! I really, really love microphones. And I think it's totally cool to have fetishes for stuff that's like, we get sexual energy from mm -hmm. things that aren't, we aren't having sex with. It's, it's not like I don't have curious. sex with the microphone. I just yeah. get turned on by it. <laughs> Everyone has their own things, you know, yeah, and yeah. just don't be ashamed of it and have at it. As long as you're not hurting anyone, then I don't see what's a problem. So true. Mm -hmm. So true. I was also thinking these people with amateur sex videos, mm -hmm. if they were like, Venus Lux watched me. <laughs> you know, how exciting. That's so cool. Uh, and Cindy Gallup, who I interviewed. Oh, yeah. Do you know Cindy. who she is? Yeah, actually, we did a show together. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, I think it's called something late late night show and okay like a talk show it type. was a it was like live audience oh, cool. um, but yeah she's a very inspirational person she's awesome yeah she's, she's awesome. awesome and she's doing these real sex videos yeah you mm -hmm. know where you and and it's everything mm -hmm. there's um people masturbating there's couples there's orgies mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff and it's just she's trying to normalize something that's normal exactly but we can you know but sh normal. shining a different light on that you know you don't have to be a porn star to make something awesome and creative and beautiful um and that's i think she, she's using that platform to be, have people to upload their videos but also to kind of document like their experiences not just for the sake to show off and make money but just to kind of educate and show like there's normal people who like this stuff you know so you're not yes. the only one you know yes by mm -hmm. far not the only one yeah you know i think you're probably part of the majority uh so we're going to be talking with uh, my next guest she's a former dominatrix and she also is really against slut shaming uh which mm -hmm. the word itself slut shaming yeah have you heard about it no so i like shaming my sluts <laughs> You're so cute. Uh, so obviously, you are somebody who has taken that in a positive light. Like some people have tried to redefine slut, right? Okay. But basically, slut shaming, which I kind of see it as either woman or victim shaming, because mm -hmm. it's basically uh, making fun of someone or or chest, you know, mm -hmm. 
basically belittling somebody for yeah. either desiring sex, dressing in a certain way, mm-hmm. saying that it's the victim's fault kind of a thing. Okay. Like, oh, she's a slut. That's why she got raped. That okay. kind of stuff, oh, you know? Okay. So there's a lot of uh, media attention. Not a, not enough. But every once in a while, I guess I hear about it more because I'm, you know, looking for this. But mm-hmm. And it's, it's unfortunate, to say the least, that so many young women become depressed, sometimes suicidal, because either something sexually violent happened to them or because they associate as transgender, transsexual, mm-hmm. gay, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and they're teased for it. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're really young, you mm-hmm. know, it's like... You don't know. Yeah. yeah. And when people make fun of you, it's like the end of the world. Whereas when you're mm-hmm. older, you know, you can kind of... But it's like... Romeo and Juliet were like 14 or something. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, if, if, if I can't have you, I will die kind of mm-hmm. thing. And so to have that sort of extreme view of the world mm-hmm. and to have be so self-conscious, mm-hmm. uh, do you consider yourself like a role model mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, transsexual kids and, mm-hmm. and youth? Or, or do you ever f- find people coming to you and saying, you know, I'm struggling and trying to find acceptance? Um, yeah, I do get that now and then. Um, I, cause I do write an article, uh, for Venus Rising on AIPDaily.com uh, and basically it talks about, you know, being transgender, coming to this world and getting social acceptance and what issues that I face that other transgender girls face. And, um, I do also interviews too. A lot of girls usually, encounter like how do I come out to my family how do I approach other TS girls and getting some support um I think the biggest factor is there's there's so many things involved it ranges from like um the hyper femme stereotype you know the girls conforming a lot to fit into society so much that they lose their identities and they lose they become very insecure um my main advice is just Find your inspiration, find your motivation, be empowered, empower yourself, and find a reason for your confidence. And anything's possible. Um, that's kind of how I live my life. Um, I didn't have much support myself, but I made things happen because you can't just expect things to fall into your lap. Sometimes you have to push things to make it happen. Um, and regarding coming out to your family, uh, for me, it's all about respect. You know, if you can showcase that you are a genuine person, you're kind hearted, you're just like anyone else and you're respectable, um, then things should not be a problem unless you face religion. Um, that's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, and it's, you know, you can embrace a spirituality. I think yeah. that's a really important thing for kids growing up who are, kind of raised in a particular religion that gives them these rules and restrictions Yeah, to know that you can be a spiritual person and have your own beliefs and all that and know mm-hmm. that those rules came from some dude who <laughs> didn't really you just, know better yeah. or was ha- on a power trip. Yeah, or just selfish and just made it for himself. Yes. Like some yes. narcissist. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But just, yeah, yeah, empower yourself and um, just, you know, be, under- just kind of understand what your power traits are, you know, whether it be your personality, your charisma, your social skills, and just build on that. Um, there's a huge situation with transgender women, um, transgender in general with the insecurities um of course you know you're starting a new life you're transitioning and you have to start from scratch but you know you really take the time to do you know some secondary preemptive soul searching understanding what your likes and dislikes um (laughs) i love that your 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 what did you call them your power traits your power your power traits yeah that's awesome. You know, it's like your super your superhero 
you know, elements, whatever it is that makes you special and mm -hmm. gives you confidence, right? Because we all have something that I think cultivating some passion in your life mm -hmm. and saying, this is what I'm good at. This is what fills my heart with joy. Mm -hmm. seems to kind of kick the insecurity to exactly. the curb, you know, because it gives you a reason. You have, no one's going to help you sometimes, you know, so you're going to have to help yourself, you know. Very true. Mm -hmm. Very true. So what's up next for you? You're so busy and prolific and um, so many things going on. Doing a lot of philanthropy this year. Um, I'm going to be speaking at NYU for a porn panel in May 7th. Um, awesome. That's exciting, um, and doing a lot of sex education, sex positive education um, to transgender um, issue awareness, um, advocacy. Um, that's from what my hobbies are. From my business standpoint, being porn, um, just building up my porn empire. Um, launching a couple of sites this year, um, building my own network, um, still managing my site. I'm a director and producer, so I make uh, websites, content, DVDs. You're a director and a producer as well? Yeah. I manage my own company. Wow. That's amazing. That's Thanks. amazing. Do you peer in your own work sometimes, or is that kind of too separate? I do. For my site, I do. But other things where I'm working on this here is more in broadening my work my work to be able to expand to other girls and um, showcase that and also touch on subgenres I have yet to touch on such as similar to what we just talked about you know more so instead of objectifying transgender but be able to embrace it so like senses of romance um, passion and adding some normalcy to the word association of transgender you know opposed to thinking oh she has a you know a cock you know she's a half man she's a half woman she's a she male you know right um, which is the typical um, it's a stereotype right stereoty is that that's what hermaphrodite means I think no Isn't hermaphrodite it no? is hermaphrodite is actually a slang word for intersex okay mm -hmm. and that's not like the piece like intersex, intersex is the correct word that's like Taylor yeah. Chandler was on the show she um, um she was Michael Phelps's. Oh, girlfriend. I think I heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she went uh, like overnight. She went from she had a really private life mm -hmm. to suddenly everyone knows about her. Mm -hmm. She met him on Tinder. It was crazy, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's my um, world. <laughs> I know, <laughs> yeah. right? You know, exactly. we're all human. Um, but yeah, so intersex. So intersex is the correct word, and hermaphrodite yeah. is what they used to say. It's a. It's like almost saying shemale for transsexuals. It's a slang I gotcha. Word, yeah. I gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. Yeah, intersex is basically individuals oh there's also there's various types of intersex too which i'm still not too knowledgeable but i know for a fact that you know when you have we're born with ambiguous genitalia um, because there's a scientific measurement that dictates whether that's going to be a penis or a vagina and if it does okay. not fit into those measurements they'll make that decision for you and either cut it off or leave it there oh. and basically choosing the gender for you as wow, at birth yeah. and then growing up you people always misconstrue that oh intersex are transgender people if they do not feel like they have the right genitalia um and there are some who are ranging intersex which actually can be a hermaphrodite having two sex organs you know whether penis and vaginal qualities or vagina yeah. um very rare cases actually interesting um, and i know mm -hmm. that sometimes you don't even know like somebody can have um uh, you can have testicles inside your body, for example. Yeah. Like there's, we may have, you know, many, many, we probably do have more mm -hmm. people who are intersex or, mm -hmm. you know, at least some, we're also different. Exactly. You, you know? don't know, but regardless, you know, it's still a person. Yeah, yeah. it is. And, mm -hmm. and I like what you said about normalizing because it's not about, um, you know, accepting this rare, unusual alien from another planet. Mm -hmm. It's going, we're all human and 
why, you know, there's mm-hmm. no reason that somebody is superior just because they have genitalia that is more like yours mm-hmm. or more like the quote male know. idea or yeah. whatever yeah. or yeah intersex exactly. yeah uh, it's funny we in america you know being such a capitalist uh country and being so free and you know if you will and accepting yes. you know there's other cultures that are much more open-minded than america for instance like you know india who or or Samoa or Thailand who actually embrace differences even Indonesia like I just read up on a documentary that Indonesia some parts of Indonesia have uh, five genders that are socially accepted really yeah I had no idea yeah it's interesting so yeah I think um, America has a lot it's of it's so crazy I mean it's like we're considered like so progressive and then yeah. we're super puritanical and freaky about you know sex like Mm -hmm. the most natural thing but anyhow well that I need to do as a show topic so thank you I had no idea and thank you so much for being here how can we stay in touch with you Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Venus Lux Facebook the real Venus Lux Um, other than that you could check my website out venus-lux.com um, and you can always comment on my columns on Venus Rising on aipdaily.com Thank you so Pleasure. much. Thank you. Laura Michelle is a former dominatrix who also happens to have a BA in history from UCLA and an MFA in creative writing from Otis College of Art and Design. She's written extensively about BDSM for publications like Spanish Playboy and The Huffington Post. She's the author of the chapbook, These Are the Stories I'm Not Supposed to Tell, uh, published by Vista Del Oro Press, and her most recent work has appeared in Narrative Magazine, and we have kind of an interesting meeting story because we actually were friends on Facebook, didn't even really, kind of, you know, you don't even realize it. I don't know how we became friends, but suddenly, you know, I think you realized first, oh, we are both kind of interested in the same world, and I'm so glad you reached out because your work is really fascinating. How are you doing today? I'm good, yeah. The way that we reached out, I... I'm friends with so many people on Facebook. I'm not sure, quite sure how it happened either. But the the reason that I reached out to you is because you had posted a photo of yourself wearing a shirt that had to do with slut shaming. It or- was what is our define slut. My defi- it's from uh, the Unslut Project with Emily Linden. It says on the front, define slut because nobody can. So it's an anti-slut shaming. Yeah, and that really resonated with me. And so I contacted you and I said, oh, wow, you know, this is a subject that I'm really interested in as well. Yeah. So how did you get interested in that actual subject? Because even working as a dominatrix, was was that what you were slut-shamed for or was it just generally seeing it around you? Well, interesting. interestingly enough is, yes, I was very slut-shamed as a dominatrix and I'll explain. So, I mean, slut-shaming really started um, for me when I was much younger in high school and it wasn't even about... Um, you know, having had sex with a lot of people, it was just an idea that I was or I looked that way. And one of the things that struck me as so interesting is that it wasn't necessarily um, the other boys, I was going to say men, but these are high school boys calling me a slut. But it was amongst my female friends who really kind of controlled you know, control the click by saying, oh my gosh, she's a slut. You know, uh, this girl over there is a slut. 
you don't want to be considered a slut. You're starting to act like a slut or you had sex with so-and-so, you know, so this kind of control that I already felt in high school, you know, then I, you know, I go on, I, I get my BA, um, I'm out in the world for a while, and I find that I need money. So I become a dominatrix. And um, I made quite a bit of money through that career. So it was very empowering for me as a woman. And interestingly enough, uh, when I talked to people, you know, when I would talk to people, kind of the vanilla world, as you were talking about in your other interview, people who are not involved in the sex industry or, you know, just your normal, normal person on the street, um, when I would tell them that I worked as a dominatrix, you know, there would be all these questions. Oh, my gosh, you you must have been traumatized. Oh, you, you know, you must have been molested as a child. Uh, you, you must have had this terrible life. And I became depressed at some point, you know, working as a dominatrix. And when I look back, it was not from the job. It was from the way that let's call it society or my peers or the people out in the vanilla world treated me. Ah, interesting. It was very hard to kind of have, quote unquote, a normal life, you know, not have friends that... Uh, have friends that weren't just in the um, sex industry or continue being friends with my, you know, non-sex industry friends because they were so um, mean mm. about it and so belittling of me. And that was the thing that really hurt me. It's so interesting to me and, and sad how there's like this basal level of it that almost every woman experiences. I mean, I don't think that there is a woman, that's an extreme statement, but most women I think have been slut shamed at some point. I think we do it to ourselves sometimes. I think it comes from those societal issues and, you know, we have these like awakening moments, hopefully, where we realize like for you, that was yours, you know, you started to question and it's because you were introspective and were challenging these, you know, feelings you were having. And, and I relate to that too, because I went through, you know, depression and an eating disorder. And for me, I had to really face the fact that I hadn't really asked those questions or, or fully embraced my sexuality. How did you respond to those feelings? How did I respond to those feelings? Meaning um, my feelings of... Um, like those epiphanies that, oh, you know, I'm depressed and all of these factors contributed. Well, it's been a long process. And if I can just add one thing, um, uh, something that you had said uh, struck me that we slut shame ourselves because obviously we can't be slut shamed unless we permit it. Yes. We permit it because yes. we believe us as women we believe that we are sluts if we experience um you know our sexuality to its fullest and so we um we allow people to slut shame us in terms of my epiphanies it's been a long long journey and i'm just coming to the point now where you know i'm kind of just embracing myself as i am you know, it's been a lot of work. It's been a lot of therapy. I've had some very great therapists. And, um, you know, it's embracing who I am without being like, oh, forget all those other people. F those people. No, it's just like, 
with the goodness, all the goodness in my heart, I really don't want you in my life because I want people who are compassionate and yes. open-minded and fulfilling me. And so if you need to slut shame me, that's okay. That's your issue. But we can't. I, I probably am going to have to put some distance between us. Good. Those boundaries are so important. You know, it's it's the whole bad fruit analogy. You know, one rot, rotted fruit will rot the other fruits. And I think it takes maturity to realize that it's really about them and what they're believing. And what's really sad is when such young girls are, are being slut-shamed, they say, you know, you can't feel inferior unless you give yourself you give others permission. I can't remember who said that. It's a famous quote. Eleanor Roosevelt. I was going to say, yeah. I wondered. Yeah. And which I love that quote because there's, mm -hmm. there's so much truth in it. And when we're really young, it's almost impossible to do that because we're so, we're growing and we're insecure and we don't know up from down and we lean on others for feedback all the time, you know, which is why so many girls I think end up, um, in this sort of uh, war with themselves, between each other, from other girls, from other, you know, it's just really, it's really tragic. Um, but I love that, what you said about just embracing yourself and also knowing that you you do, you want to surround yourself with people who lift you higher and make you feel more comfortable with who you are and, and, and all of that. And then you give that back too. you know, it's just this, it's just this wonderful thing. Uh, could you just briefly explain, because uh, we've talked about we had, uh, Mona Darling was a uh, dominatrix who's who's chatted with us a little bit, but I don't think everyone quite understands or, or knows necessarily what that is. So what, what was your job as a dominatrix? So, yeah, because it is, you know, th there are different definitions of a dominatrix depending if you're a professional dominatrix or a lifestyle dominatrix and what sort of interests you have. So I was a professional dominatrix and I worked um, – in a club and then I worked independently and basically I would put out an advertisement you know uh, we start it started out in a magazine but once um, the internet became so popular it was there where I would advertise my services such as cock and ball torture bondage um, whoa 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 cock and ball torture? Yes. What is that? Well, there are different, um, you know, forms of it. You can bind the penis and, and the testicles up. with rope okay. so that they're kind of, uh, you know, stuck. Constricted. <laughs> yeah, constricted. Yeah. Um, there is also piercing. You can pierce um, uh, the skin of the scrotum. You can pierce the skin of the, of the penis. Um, I had a client who actually wanted me to put the needles into the testicle, into the gland. I so, don't even have testicles, and I just did that moment feeling where, you know, where like, isn't that like the worst pain? I'm cringing so much. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. But a lot of, most guys aren't, uh, you know, as far as, uh, don't go as far as that. You can use clamps. You can put um, uh, clothespins on, uh, again, on the skin of the scrotum, on the skin of the penis. Um, you can whip the penis. But the thing is, is that cock and ball torture, yes, I mean, for, for me, I, I shudder myself. And for most men, um, my husband, uh, is mm -hmm. one of those because he's, uh, he's not necessarily super vanilla, but he's not, he's not into S&M. Yeah, yeah. So when he hears that, he's like, Oh my God, that's crazy. But the thing is for, um, uh, for a male and, you know, a woman, but, uh, but I was doming men for a man who has a pain fetish or who is right. a masochist. 
this can cause them to ejaculate without even touching themselves. Wow. Yeah. And and I know that the um, the brain's center for pain and pleasure are super close together. And yes. I actually talked to a scientist because I, I got to do one of those um, uh, MRIs where you um, self-stimulate to, you masturbate to orgasm. They study your brain uh, last year in, at Rutgers University. And the the scientist in charge, we were talking about pain and pleasure centers, and he was asking me questions about, because this is all new to him, like these fantasies where people, he's, he's confused about it, he wants to understand it, and he said one of the things that he's noticed is that some people have a, their tolerance for pain is different, and they might, it's, it's almost as though they confuse the two, but he said it could just be that people just, some people just really experience a lot of pleasure from types of pain, and if you can do that and you're not you know, there's not actual hurting people, then, you know, why not? And it's a pretty common, relatively speaking, fetish, as I understand it. Isn't that true? Like, of the many, that's that's one that's not, it's not super rare. Yeah, it's very common, very common. And I do think that the pain and pleasure centers in the brain, of course, I'm not a scientist, but I do think that they um, cross over, the wires are, are crossed. And... Um, yeah, it's definitely not a strange fetish. There are also or interests, um, uh, BDSM interest. Uh, there is also whipping the, uh, just of the body. A lot of men are really into, you know, all different kinds of whips. There's single tail whips. There's riding crops. There's canes. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things. And then there are things that don't necessarily involve implements. There's... Um, uh, domination and submiss uh, and submission or discipline where maybe you have somebody who comes in and they want to be um, they want to be exhibited meaning they like public humiliation and maybe you would exhibit them in front of their friends uh, with a you know with a collar around their neck and and tell them that they need to masturbate and that's very humiliating for them so humiliation that might not involve pain is also a huge turn on interesting so that would to me that would be like almost like an emotional pain they get off on you know or a vulnerability i guess like a really deep vulnerability where they are so reliant and and i also understand that a lot of people men especially who are and maybe it's it's equally common in, in women, but men who are really uh, dominant in their lives are often very submissive in the bedroom and they have these fantasies because it's almost like a, I don't know, a balancing out or something or like something they don't have to be in charge of. Yeah. And um, I never totally understood that. And um, I will tell you how I understand it a little bit a little bit now is that I am married and I have two children and I am constantly busy and I direct the household and sometimes, I mean, I just want a break. I want somebody else to do the work for me. And so my, that doesn't necessarily manifest in the bedroom for me, but I can understand now because it gets so stressful always being in charge. Sure. To not have to be the assertive one or the person who initiates. So yeah. Just, just do it to me. Yeah. yeah. For sure. You've said that being a dominatrix, uh, that career that you had, improved your body image. Could you tell us about that? Oh, definitely. Because that is another thing that um, young women struggle with. 
um, as as much as you know um, sexual boundaries and sexual definitions. Um, we struggle with our body image because, unfortunately, what is portrayed as normal or aesthetically pleasing is not necessarily normal. I mean, most women are not tall and really thin. And if you're lucky to be that way, it's genetics and, and you can't help it. And so when a woman is not that way, um, you know, she feels bad about her body. And the thing that's so crazy about it is that I am tall and thin and I felt terrible about my body. And now it's coming out. I mean, this was a few years ago, but it's coming out um, how much photoshopping goes on that we don't realize that when you see Kim Kardashian, you know, her skin has been evened out. There's been inches, uh, you know, cut off her body or mm -hmm. these, you know, Victoria model, uh, Victoria Secrets models who, yeah. of course, are pretty uh, perfect already. But Cindy Crawford did uh, something very uh, recently where she released um, an unphotoshopped video or unphotoshopped image. Um, of herself. So what happens is that as women, we see these, you know, photoshopped images and these women who are genetically blessed and we want to look like them. And if we don't, we feel bad about themselves. And so that's where I was at a younger age. And what happened is that um, dressing up in dominant clothing, skimpy clothing, you know, very sexualized clothing, I got to see like, wow, I do look good. And it's not about, you know, having this perfect L model, you know, body. It's about, um, you know, so much of beauty is also, um, related through confidence and the way you hold your body and the way you feel about yourself. I mean, you might not have the, you know, stereotypically perfect body, but if you can relate confidence and, um, and a kind of uh, sexual esteem, which the dressing up in this clothes, this type of clothing allowed me to do, it allowed me to really feel a lot better about my body and be, you know, it's okay if I have a little bit of cellulite and like, you know, my body isn't perfectly proportional. I can still look hot in these clothes and it made me feel so much better about myself. I love that. That is that is so powerful and important and you bring out such excellent points. It's so interesting because our society has painted this picture of what quote perfect is and it's it's there's no such thing, you know, like it's not even like you said, the uh, I've actually seen some of the celebrity uh, photographs before and after they Photoshop them. And, you know, it's incredible what they do. And um, I used to, I used to work as a model. And, and I remember when they started using more Photoshop and my mom was like, that's not your face because like they, I have a birthmark on my face and she's like, it's gone. Where'd it go? <laughs> you know, cause they take all these things that are not, that's not a flaw of mine. You know, that's just part of my face. It's not Cindy Crawford, you know, looks stunning as she is, you know, having cellulite is normal, all these things. And, um, I think it's really important. I think a lot of women too relate to what you said about when you dress in a way that you feel sexy, you feel strong and confident and empowered. And if that is how you express yourself, that doesn't make you a quote, slut that makes you a woman who is expressing herself, <laughs> you know, that is so important. That's so important. Uh, where can we learn more about your work? Well, um, you can learn more about my work first going to my Twitter page because I have 
um, a website there that you can click on to that has all sorts of links. My Twitter page is, um, you know, twitter.com backslash writer Laura, L-A-R-A-M. And that will, you'll be putting it up on your Yes, web- it'll be my website too. So you can just click on it. It'll be nice and easy. Yeah. And you can read um, some of my autobiographical writing um, is up there, mostly my autobiographical writing. And I've um, written for all sorts of different uh, publications. I also do videos. Um, I participate in um, storytelling panels, and I have a video um, where I talk about a lot of these subjects. So all those sort of things you can find by just going to my Twitter page. Wonderful. I just feel like both you and Venus, I feel like I could just talk to you and talk to you. We could do this for hours. So I hope you'll join me again. Oh, I would love to. Wonderful. This is so much fun. And all of you out there, I would love to hear from you. Have you ever been slut-shamed yourself? Do you feel like you have, have shamed yourself for being who you are? Have you judged other women or men for expressing their sexuality? Uh, have you ever considered being a dominatrix or do you have those fantasies? Please let me know and join our conversations. Uh, you can join the whole Girl Boner community and me by visiting my website and connecting with us all on Facebook, Twitter, and by subscribing to my blog. You can find those links at augustmclaughlin.com. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and review, and hop over to my website, augustmclaughlin.com, for show extras and a whole lot more. Thank you so much for listening, and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.